Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. We are starting to open our eyes to the fact that LinkedIn could be quite a significant gap in terms of capturing business communication data and therefore not really meeting regulatory record-keeping requirements. Today's episode is a special one produced in association with Global Relay, a technology firm providing global financial services companies with the software to capture, store and monitor their employees' communications. Today's guest highlights the surveillance blind spots that pose massive compliance risks to large sections of the financial services industry. She explains why an aggressive clampdown on bankers' WhatsApp use, as seen in the US, is unlikely to be copied by UK watchdogs. And she details how a regulatory crackdown on city workers' behaviour outside of the day job is influencing their bosses' approach to capturing and monitoring their communications. Jenny Clark is Head of Content at Global Relay. Hi Jenny, welcome to Following the Rules. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me on. Let's start with a brief introduction for those listeners who might not be familiar with Global Relay. Could you give us a run through of what services you provide and to who? Global Relay is an interesting company. We're 25 years old and we really do the whole gamut of compliant communications. So we do everything from capture, so meeting the record keeping requirements to preserve the data and the retention of the data through to surveillance and archiving. I think we're probably best known for communication archiving, but actually we have an app where you can enable your employees to communicate on an app and we capture that and it's all done compliantly. We have what we call connectors, which connect data from any communication channel and plug it into an archive, which allows you to retain and preserve your communications data in a way that is compliant. We also have our own compliant archive where you can preserve your communications. And then there's the surveillance limb on top of that, which allows you to obviously do monitoring and surveillance on all of that communication status. Okay, and what types of clients does Global Relay serve in financial services? So it's really across the whole of financial services, banks, broker dealers, mainly looking at the compliance teams and chief information officer type audience. But we also cater for energy and branching out into healthcare too. So it's really everyone, but financial services in the main. Okay, and mobile communication surveillance remains a major compliance challenge for financial services companies globally. In the US, regulators kicked off an aggressive regulatory clampdown on bankers' use of texts and private messaging apps in 2022, and that saw 16 banks fined $1.8 billion for their employees' use of encrypted messaging apps. A similar crackdown by UK regulators has been expected since, but that has yet to come to fruition. The prospect of that has focused attentions within the UK financial services sector as to what best practice looks like. And the industry is very keen to know what others are doing here. And at Global Relay, you have recently surveyed 10,000 banks, broker dealers, fund managers and other regulated financial services firms on how they are meeting regulatory requirements to adequately monitor employee communications. Could you tell us more about that report? What prompted the study? What were its key findings? Yeah, of course. As you mentioned, we've seen these huge numbers of fines in the US. And one of the things which I just mentioned, the connectors product that we provide to customers enables people to capture data from any communication channel. So we were really interested to find out how people were reacting to those fines. Was it changing the way that they interact with communication capture? 
And actually, how are people managing communication capture? Most people in compliance know that it can feel a lonely place sometimes, and everyone wants to know what their counterparts are doing. And we were like, we've got this data within our own systems. We can see what a huge number of financial services firms are capturing and how that's changed over the years. So we plugged into our own data. We drew out a sample of 10,000 accounts across different regions, sticking into financial services. And then we analysed it to see what communication capture looks like, which channels are people looking at? So are they prioritizing WhatsApp? Are they prioritizing email? How has that evolved over the last five years? We put that all together into a report. So it's almost lifting the lid on what these 10,000 accounts are doing with a view to give people some information about what's happening. You mentioned WhatsApp and obviously use of, of the encrypted messaging app WhatsApp has caught most regulatory attention in recent years. What did Global Relay's report data tell us about firms' efforts to track employees' WhatsApp use and how widespread is that activity within the financial services industry? WhatsApp's a really interesting one because when it all started to kick off, we had compliance officers coming in and they were saying, we do not know what to do. The regulators are coming. There are huge amounts of fines in the US. It's coming over to us. And everyone panicked initially and just banned it. And so but we were intrigued to see what happened within the data. People also were saying they'd implemented these blockers within their own organizations. But then we were seeing fines for people who had used blockers that failed. So with that in mind, we looked specifically to implementation data for the WhatsApp piece. So how many accounts have implemented a WhatsApp capture solution over the years? And what we found was really interesting. Before 2021, there was really very little uptake in people asking or implementing WhatsApp capture solution. And then you can see it slowly creeping up. And then in the last year, it's just flown. I mentioned at the beginning, Global Relay has its own app, which has WhatsApp enabled within it. So firms can capture WhatsApp and enable their employees to use WhatsApp internally through the Global Relay app. And we've also seen a huge spike in that. And a lot of that is because people suddenly were like, we need to capture WhatsApp. How are we going to do it? So people have really risen to the challenge of WhatsApp. And actually, a lot of people now do have a solution in place for it. And the banning of the past has slowly started to stop. Also, we have seen the move back to corporate issued devices. There was a BYOD movement and a post WhatsApp scandal. Suddenly people are thinking, actually, can we really implement effective communication capture on BYOD? Instead, they're having to spend millions, if not billions of pounds on reissuing corporate phones. Really interesting. And, and you mentioned BYOD, which is bring your own device, which is a longstanding corporate policy whereby individuals can use their own mobile device or laptop for work and the company will implement the technology they need on that device to monitor it as they would like, obviously with due consideration to to individuals' privacy rights. But as you say, the regulatory focus on WhatsApp has made firms nervous about those policies and they much prefer to issue a corporate device where they can put on their own monitoring and also their own rules around what particular apps can be used on those devices. Yeah. You mentioned a huge shift in financial services firms gathering data from WhatsApp. What exactly was that percentage increase? So I don't have a year-on-year -year percentage in front of me, but in 2023 alone, WhatsApp capture solutions accounted for 22% of implementations for capture. And implementation of the Global Relay app, as I mentioned, captures WhatsApp as well, is 41%. So overall, 
over 60% of the accounts were implementing GR app and WhatsApp as a solution. So two years on from when we first saw the big fines and it really looks like it persists. And you mentioned that some firms were implementing WhatsApp blockers. Could you explain a little bit more about that? People implement a tech solution that will prevent the use or the access to WhatsApp or whatever it is on a corporate device. The incident I have in mind actually was in the US hmm. where a firm had implemented a solution that prevented employees from sending iMessages. So text was fine, but iMessage, they weren't able to capture it. So they prevented the employees from being able to use it. And that basically stopped working. And people were able to send iMessages. The compliance team didn't realise. Mm-hmm. And they weren't capturing all of these messages. So they faced quite a significant fine for implementing a blocker and then actually not checking that it worked in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's much safer to implement a solution of capture rather than blocking. And, and I think people are slowly coming around to that, as we've mm. probably seen in the data. I'm surprised to hear that that's a slow lesson being learned within the financial services sector, because a number of companies that the mm. US regulators focused on had bans in place. So it, there's no clearer way of showing that bans do not work than the US regulatory action. Yeah, it's very true. One of the things to bear in mind when I look at the implementation data is actually the time to implement. So obviously you see these fines in 2021, but as most people will be aware, the implementation of a tech solution within a bank or wherever it is can take a while to actually get off the ground once you've got through all of the loopholes. So people probably were scurrying around hurriedly and then it was getting contracts signed and that sort of exciting stuff. Okay. And we have talked about regulators' responses to this problem a number of times during this conversation. I would like to delve deeper into what you're expecting in terms of forthcoming regulatory reactions to mobile communication surveillance. But before we go there, was there anything in the report findings that surprised you? Did the report reveal any blind spots in terms of the industry's approach to capturing employee communications, for example? Yeah, it did actually. You always go into these things when you collect the data with an expectation of what you're going to see. And there were things that we saw that weren't that surprising. So the majority of firms are capturing email, as you would hope to see. And most have this, I've termed it the holy trinity. It's email, some sort of internal communication channel, so Teams or Slack, and then some sort of financial messaging app, such as Bloomberg Chat or Refinitiv or Reuters. And most firms had that. And that wasn't that surprising. However, What we did find interesting was that 33% of the 10,000 accounts that we looked at were capturing LinkedIn data. What we were able to do is then actually drill down into that data and look at what exactly it was firms are capturing. And of the 33%, 62% of those were capturing specifically employee accounts data. So that's posts that people put on their feed direct messages that they send within LinkedIn. And I will add that this is all consensual. They would have signed this in their contractual agreement with their employee. 10% were capturing the company LinkedIn page. Unsurprisingly, I don't think too much exciting stuff's going on there. And then 26% were opting to capture both. And with that, we thought, hang on, LinkedIn in particular could pose a massive compliance risk in terms of loopholes, unmonitored communication channels, The barrier to access communication with LinkedIn is so much easier than that that you have with something like WhatsApp. Because with WhatsApp, you need to know the person, you need to have their number to begin with. But on LinkedIn, you can just search someone, find their name and send them a message. And we found it quite interesting. Hmm. So I think we thought this was an unrealized risk. And that the more I've spoken to people about it, the more people are saying, actually, 
we are starting to open our eyes to the fact that LinkedIn could be quite a significant gap in terms of capturing business communication data and therefore not really meeting regulatory record keeping requirements. So that was quite a surprise to us. That is really interesting because obviously everyone is on LinkedIn and if they can't access it through their corporate laptop, they've got it on their mobile. So that seems like a huge blind spot. To what extent do you think regulators are conscious of that? To what extent do you think the financial services firms are aware that that could be an issue? Incidentally, we had somebody from the FCA in the office recently and we were speaking to them about this issue. And they said that social media has been on their radar for quite some time, but actually more the wider risk that social media poses, whether it's crypto investment and advertisement on Twitter. But then there's also consumer duty parts of social media. So from the FCA's perspective, they said it's on their radar, but actually people haven't necessarily considered the comms side of things. When I was speaking to a few people, they've said that actually the only way to really solve it is to give people a corporate LinkedIn account and then they have a personal one too. But I actually think that LinkedIn doesn't really offer the functionality to do that in the same way you could have a WhatsApp business account or even on Twitter, you could have a corporate account and then one that you use just for random things that you might send your friends. So it's a really, really tricky one and people are aware of it, but I don't know how much they are acting to do anything about it because it's a bit of a grey area and we haven't seen any direct regulatory action around it yet. Hmm. Okay. And you've mentioned consumer duty, which is a set of rules that UK regulators introduced around about six months ago that changes Mm. the way that financial services companies have to interact with their consumers, which does put a focus on communications to consumers. The other set of rules that requires capturing and surveilling employee communications is MIFID II, which is the European Wholesale Trading Rulebook. And it requires firms subject to those rules to gather and monitor communications amongst regulated employees, which relate to trading. Presumably the numbers of firms gathering employee information from LinkedIn is as low as it is because of the individual's data privacy elements. Yeah, that's a really interesting point on this. That's one of the things that I think makes this tricky is because LinkedIn has a lot of business communication within it, but you also have a lot of personal stuff within it including looking for a new job or just talking to people that you used to work with about how your company is going or whatever it might be that isn't necessarily business related. And that does raise data privacy issues. And it's worth noting that the data was across all regions, but 60% of the firms were based in the US and the data protection and the data privacy of people in the US is slightly less stringent than the EU and the UK. Mm -hmm. So 60% of those 33% are US firms that are gathering data from LinkedIn. Yes. Okay. And that's all with the employee's consent. Yes, 100%. It'd be interesting to see where regulators go on that, where companies go on that. The report also says that 10% of survey respondents were capturing and storing information from their own websites. What exactly are you referring to there? And is that number lower than you would expect? In the UK and the US, there seems to be a really increased focus on capturing marketing messages because there's significant risk in putting false information out there that may drive somebody to make an investment decision or whatever it might be. But very few people think that they need to capture website. And actually, it's quite a critical piece of the puzzle in terms of if you had put something on your website that was incorrect, that would need to come to the fore 
when there was a regulatory investigation. So the knowledge out there around whether or not you need to capture website is low. Okay, and we discussed regulatory reaction to this a number of times. What can we expect from regulators in relation to mobile communications in 2024? Obviously, we discussed the US taking quite an aggressive approach to mobile communications surveillance or situations where they feel that firms aren't taking that seriously enough or aren't gathering the mobile communications data adequately enough. Last year, the UK arm of the US bank, Morgan Stanley, was fined by the UK's energy regulator, Ofgem for traders' use of WhatsApp messages to discuss deals. And the UK's Prudential Regulation Authority has also censored the now-defunct lender Wylands Bank for wide-ranging failings, including poor retention of WhatsApp messages. But the FCA has been comparatively quiet, despite making some occasional noises about their expectations on the matter. What's your view on what's to come? Will the FCA crackdown finally come into being? What are the expected next steps in the US? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because for a long time we've been thinking, how are the FCA not picking up on this? Because there's a cynical view that I don't necessarily hold myself, that the fines in the US started off in 2021. We see WhatsApp as this massive compliance gap, like a quick win. And then from there on in, it's relatively easy because you go, are you using WhatsApp? Yes. Are you capturing it? Well, no. And then you see the CFTC and the SEC issuing billions in fines. And you think, why is the FCA then not following suit? And everything was geared up to the FCA are going to act next. And then you see the PRA with their censure. And then Ofgem and everyone's thinking, what? Ofgem are acting on WhatsApp, but the FCA still haven't. It's confusing. But you actually catch me at a fantastic time because, as I mentioned, we were at this event recently with Jamie Bell, who's head of secondary market oversight at the FCA. And we asked him, are the FCA going to act on record keeping in the same way that the US regulators have. Initially, he said, people keep asking us for clarity, be careful what you wish for, but then went on to say that actually the FCA's standpoint on this is that they are very much a risk-based regulator and they're favouring proportionality and actually they're not going to act in the same aggressive way that the US regulators have. What they did say is, what they really want to see is that firms have policies in place and that those policies are absolutely adhered to He termed it a compliance and consequence culture around monitoring communications and and record keeping. So I think essentially the way that they're viewing it is you need to be managing it in-house adequately. You set up your own risk-based proportional policies and then ensure people are sticking to those rules. And that sounds like quite a reasonable approach. So it sounds from that that he is implying that unless you're doing something egregiously incorrect in terms of employees' communication surveillance, then the FCA, they're not going to be issuing any large-scale fines like we saw in the US. It didn't seem to be suggested that that was going to happen, no. It was much more around collaboration, actually. Much more If you see something wrong and you see that there's non-compliance, you need to be communicating that with the regulator and there needs to be honesty and transparency. It sounded like a much more collaborative approach than we've seen in the US. Okay. And did he make any specific comment on the low levels of financial services firms capturing and storing LinkedIn communications? Nothing direct. The thoughts around LinkedIn went to a higher level of social media more generally and more philosophical on 
the wider risk to the markets of social media. Okay. And what do you expect to happen from the US regulators in the coming months? In the US, the SEC in particular has reported to be looking at Teams and Zooms, so video and voice capture. I don't know if we're going to see more coming out of the US for WhatsApp or whether that feels like it's done now, but it will be really interesting to see if we get voice and video coming out. That could send people into a bit of a frenzy. It all comes down to that distinction of capture and surveillance because capturing, for instance, voice, and with voice I'm talking about audio, I don't think is too much of a challenge for the industry anymore, but actually monitoring it and surveilling it is still a challenge. And video is a whole nother thing in particular. The distinction between you can capture audio from a Teams meeting, for example, but what might be happening in the video of that meeting is completely different. So you could be talking normally, but someone's holding up flashcards, sending a message or whatever it may be. It's really interesting. And that's probably more of the direction we'll see in the US. Okay. And video remains an issue as it's a resourcing issue because you need someone to be watching reams and reams of video to make sure that conversations are in line with the audio alongside that video file. As well as that, it's hugely costly. I think voice is costly, but video is even worse. And then the storage of however many hours of this kind of conversation Because people are talking all the time and video calls, I don't know about you, but I find myself on video calls for half my day. And if that's the same across your organization, it's really huge. And I don't really know how firms tackle it because it's Mm -hmm. a lot of money and a lot of storage. We've seen some really strange things as well. So somebody used Xbox chat to do some insider trading, which they were caught out on. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's unpredictable. If I were a compliance person, I'd be scrambling. And this is the issue with employee communication surveillance in a nutshell, really, and why it's such a compliance headache, because the minute that you have a tool in place to capture communication on one platform, it just shifts to another. So what's expected in terms of the industry's approach to communication surveillance in 2024? And do you see any themes arising there? I think the conduct and the culture element is really prevalent at the moment. And that ties really interestingly into surveillance on lots of different angles. So we've got regulators calling for better conduct. There was a letter issued recently by the FCA, which reiterated this whole idea that non-financial misconduct for them is as serious as financial misconduct. And with that, firms will have to start really thinking about how they are monitoring conduct where misconduct is occurring and are they able to capture and surveil those channels so i imagine that might be a new focus there are two levels one are you capturing and surveilling for bad conduct but also are you implementing appropriate governance frameworks and policies to ensure that you're actually encouraging a good culture where bad conduct doesn't happen and i think the capture element, people are now aware of it. And you can see in the Global Relay report that the number of people capturing communications channels across all channels is vastly higher at the tail end of 2023 than it was five years ago. People have got their heads around that element of it. And now it's working out how do we utilize that data to monitor it for bad conduct, whether that's non-financial or financial misconduct, and actually implement a system of rules so that you're actually encouraging a good culture Mm-hmm. And non-financial misconduct relates to a misconduct that happens outside of an individual's day job and casts 
questions around an individual's fitness and propriety to do their job within financial services. And it's something that the FCA has long said it intends to focus on, but more recently has taken quite proactive steps to show that it's serious in that regard. It has a couple of studies in train now to determine the levels of bullying and sexual harassment taking place within certain sectors of the financial services industry. So you can see why that would be focusing attentions within the industry. They were calling for firms to provide disclosure requirements essentially around how many cases of bullying or sexual harassment or disciplinary actions around those things occurred in your firm last year and how many were acted upon last year. And all of this sort of information, which we've heard people saying, oh, we're going to have to have disclosure requirements around non-financial misconduct. But now it seems to be really shifting the needle and actually the FDA are asking for it. And they hint within the letter that if this isn't forthcoming, they might put in mandatory disclosure requirements around it. So it feels quite like there's quite a lot of weight from the regulators on it. And so people really are going to have to up their game in, in how they're looking at one, capturing it and two, implementing something that means that the people aren't doing bad things in the first place. Would you expect that, that focus in the FCA ultimately to increase the number of different sources of information that are being gathered by financial services firms and, and perhaps addressing this LinkedIn blind spot, for example? It depends how advanced firms are. One of the reasons you'd have a surveillance programme in place is to be spotting incidents of bad practice, whether that's insider trading or whatever else. But within that, probably you'd have a lexicon set up to monitor for sexual harassment and bullying, because often you could get these out-of-the-box solutions that allow you to do that. But if you haven't got that in place, then yes, people are going to have to start thinking about how they approach surveillance and whether they need to be doing it outside of just trades. Okay. And lastly, what action points do you like listeners to take away from this conversation? Well, if it sounds like something relevant, I would encourage people to download our report as well as all of the data that's in there, there's expert opinion and the overview of the regulatory landscape at the moment, as well as some predictions for the year ahead in terms of compliant capture. You can access it on our website, which is globalrelay.com, and it's under the resources section. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here, Jenny, and this is a fascinating area. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.